Hello, my friends, Nigel here, and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. To say that we're going through a challenging time at the moment is probably a bit of an understatement. The theme of exhaustion keeps coming up in many conversations. So, this week, Tim and Alana sit down to discuss just that. We look at what causes exhaustion, the steps, daily practices, and filtering process you need to put in place to overcome it, and the important role value stacking plays in not only overcoming it in the short term, but reframing it completely to ensure you have the energy and focus needed in all areas of your life, not just business. It's a really interesting conversation. Hope you enjoy. One of the biggest challenges that many clients that we've worked with deal with, and and us particularly, is the actual exhaustion levels it takes to do a project. Could be anything from when you're on a fitness kick, uh, learning a new skill, but particularly when learning or building a business, it's exhausting. And there's a whole lot of reasons why it's exhausting. And we want to talk a little bit today about what do we do as the owners, as leaders, as people running our lives to keep the energy up but also to actually structure habits to make sure you're building your self-esteem every day. Because the old saying that goes, it's lonely at the top. And Lana, Nigel, it's an important one because particularly around mental health and the pressures that are associated with building a business, we actually need to discuss these things. But most people do it at a whim, where it's actually a strategy. It's a self-management strategy. It's something we need to delve into today. And quite often you don't realize what's going to happen when you make the unconscious or conscious decision to do it, to start the business, to keep driving forward. And so being exhausted can come as a little bit of a shock to what you're expecting it to be. Absolutely. And it's, it's first of all, is identifying what is the exhaustion? Because I think there's a, there's a few things we need to look at. And anytime that we ever sit down with a client or a business owner that's gone through a breakthrough, I've heard this many times, which is, I'm really happy where I am, but just, I want to crawl into bed and sleep. And it's, it's almost, it's not disappointing, but it's, it's really hard to hear that because you see people starting to achieve the things that they set out to do. But by the time they've got there, they've just smashed themselves so much that it's essentially getting them to question whether it was worth it. And we've seen a lot of retirees that go through the same thing, which was, I feel like I've run my business for my whole life and I've just met my family. And these are, I would almost say, horror stories as much as they're inspiring around people who are focused and people who had a goal and set out to do it. We have to find a way to get some form of energetic balance because you don't want to wake up one day just feeling like you got everything you want and now you can roll over and die. Is that a bit harsh? <laughs> <laughs> let's first of all, let's trace where exhaustion comes from because there's a couple of times. So, Lana, when we go to the gym and things like that, there's physical exhaustion, literally your job might entail you doing a lot of movement. So the physiology of exhaustion. But I think the one that's probably the most crippling for an entrepreneur is the daily battle with problems that you've never solved before is so mentally draining that you have to find a way to switch off or at least position what's happening in a way in which you can take inspiration from it. I always bring this back to when a person starts a new job. And whenever we have new people start with us, I tell them very first day. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) For the next three months, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to go home and you're going to be tired. And this is not even someone who is running a company. 
it's someone who is in a new environment, learning new skills, meeting new people. And even if it's in the same industry, a lot of exhaustion comes from the unknown and facing it every day and having to always be in this sort of active, ready for anything approach. However, at the end of the first three months of a new employee, once they've kind of got the lay of the land, they can almost assume what's going to come up next. They can start to relax a bit and you'll see it every time someone new starts that they do go through this cycle. And it's the same thing for business owners or entrepreneurs, whichever bucket you want to put yourself in. Always having to be on, always having to be taking on the next challenge, always being ready to solve something. Even if you don't think it's exhausting, it is mentally tiring. And it's only when you stop that you realise how tired you were. With a new employee, that's something as a leader you need to look out for, particularly if you're in a smaller company. Because when you've still got direct contact with all the employees you employ, like at some stage you're going to have employees that you'll never meet in their whole career. They're going to get employed by your company, they're going to leave your company, and you would have never met them nor know their name. But when you're a smaller company, you have to understand the process in which people go through. And as the owner, you're getting really well conditioned to dealing with the unknown. Other people who don't have this experience daily They're not building that muscle in the same way. So that first three months that Alana's talking about is difficult. That's why it's so important, particularly when you have a staff onboarding, which we're big at with all the companies that we're involved with and own, that initial period with a new employee, that it's a very structured onboarding to make them feel comfortable, even if they're a senior person, by the way, because it's difficult. As entrepreneurs, 20 years doing it, you're just so used to the unknown that it becomes, oh yeah, it's just another day. But for others, it's not. So it's really important to look at your teams and make sure you facilitate an environment in which that's easy to deal with, with a new employee. But as the owner of the business, having to deal with a new problem every single day is exhausting. It doesn't matter how much you love it because deep down we all love it, but only on our terms. And so every morning when you wake up and you check your emails, what is your first reaction? For me, I went through years of, I actually hate clicking this button. (laughs) Everything that's going to come in the next 30 seconds is going to distract me from what I want to do until I realised my only job is to do everything that others don't want because I've got people who can do that. Yeah, there, there was a period where you, you hated clicking that button so much that you just didn't click the button and you outsourced it to other people <laughs> yeah, to I click. Just, just, when you're learning, you, just, you have to find ways to deal with that. But think about it in your own business. Where are you most exhausted by a task? And how many of those tasks are you doing and how long do those tasks go for? So for instance, you know, we laugh there, which is the emails. If that's something that exhausts you and you do that every morning, you're starting with a structure of exhaustion. Lana, you're really good at this. As much as I've fought it for a decade, I think the other day I was like, hey, could you show me how you manage yourself? Because I think it's more efficient than me. And, and that, was, that was awkward, you know, and I had to build myself up after 10 years to ask you how to do that. But the way you operate is different operationally than I do, whereas something that will take you 10 seconds will might take me 10 minutes, which is unacceptable from a performance point of view. <laughs> well, it, I think it's just what you're talking about here is figuring out what exhausts you and finding ways around it. So if you look at emails, I don't necessarily love emails but I love knowing what's there because I can look at my emails and I do every morning and I can decide good, bad, indifferent, but then switch off for them. All I need to know is what's ahead of me and what's going to happen and then I can be happy. Whereas you look at emails and it has an emotional response, good or bad. Well, maybe my emails are more important than your emails. (laughs) 
Quite possibly. <laughs> Quite possibly. If I was dealing with such low-level things, Lana, I'd easily be able to flick them to the side too. A problem is a problem. Not all of us can handle the mail out from the Dollar Shave Club, mate. <laughs> oh, here we go. Nigel going back to his comedy roots. But but you're right. And I, I think this is it's not about the content or the task. No. It's really about identifying the things that you're good at and the things that you need to change the habit on. And there's just one extra step. Great, identify it. Great, change the habit. But more importantly, it's okay. If you're going to go and beat yourself up because you hate emails, well, what's the point? You know emails are coming in every day. You know at some point, technically, you have to respond to them. It's that next step beyond that of it's going to happen, I have to deal with it, not having that emotional response at yourself for hating it. You know you're bad at emails. And you're actually okay with that. Right. Now, somehow I've put this up that I'm bad <laughs> at emails, but I think that was more for the general chit-chat. I'm not yes. bad at emails. I'm bad at inefficient communicators, which I put on others. So I'm going to give this, for those who are out there and have managed to wade through to this part of the <laughs> podcast, we're not talking about emails. This isn't a podcast about, hey, how do you get better and more efficient? 10 tips to save your emails. Let me explain why. As I became a bigger business, or well, not me, the business became bigger around me, I had to put some rules around what I initially developed in my email delivery and my email receipt, which was a long way of saying, I refuse to read an email that's more than a paragraph. And I send it back to the person going, please call. Because that's someone else trying to steal my time and waste my time because a lot of people don't know how to use emails. For many years, I would try and explain everything in email. And then I realized This is such a waste of time because it's taking me 20 minutes to write an email to explain the nuance of what I need to get out. That's a phone call. And as you start getting bigger and you've got more people who need some guidance or more people who need support, you have to work out now what is your new communication principle. Lana's talking about that because she's good at people sending her things that she can give a one-word response, a one-paragraph response. She's like a sniper when I watch you doing your emails. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why. Where at the start, it wasn't I was bad at emails. The way I communicate with a lot of words, as you can probably tell. <laughs> you, you hate time wasters. Yeah, but when I'm trying to also write something, it takes me too long to get what I need. So the investment in that email is not worth the time. So that's my exact point. There's something that you don't necessarily like. There's something that exhausts you. And we're just using emails because everyone can understand an email. Yep. And it's the cancer of communication in terms of time killer if you don't get it right. And you find out a strategy, something to get around it. But what you don't do, and this is to my point, you don't have a negative emotional response if the email doesn't go the way that you want it to. And this is the difference. And from my point of view, this is where the exhaustion comes from. You're constantly going to face problems as a business owner. There's always going to be something next. If you have an emotional response every time you don't perform to your best, as opposed to taking it as more of a, I guess, a learning experience or part of the journey, whatever you want to call it that makes you comfortable. That's actually where the exhaustion comes from. Yeah, the exhaustion is a symptom of other things that are happening because you can sit there, if you're doing that thing that you love, you can sit there for five days straight, not eating, not sleeping, not doing anything, and you get out of the side. Yeah, you're tired, but you're still active and still engaged in what you're doing. If you are starting to beat yourself up about what you've done wrong over that time, it can be 20 minutes, it can be five minutes, and all of a sudden you get exhausted. Yeah, definitely. And that's probably as the leader, you need to start identifying those things. And as we spoke about earlier, you need to work out, how do I take that off my plate? So can I outsource that task that can still be done as well as anyone by someone else? 
particularly small business owners, they're not good at outsourcing anything and it's always exhausting. So they never actually get to things that are going to really help the business. It's not just the workload, it's the energy levels to get up and do the next thing once you've cleared the fundamentals because you still have to do the fundamentals, particularly when you're under-resourced as a smaller company or a growing company. You don't have resources just to go and get a couple of EAs for you or whatever it is. You need to actually do some of the tasks while the resources are limited. So what is that for you? And as Lana was talking about, the energy management that we all have to have, the energy management around not making yourself purposely feel bad. If you look at an Olympian, for instance, an Olympian who wants to be the best in the world, their job is to go there and win the gold medal. If they don't win the gold medal, they haven't succeeded. It doesn't mean their achievement isn't astronomically amazing, but they haven't achieved. When we're in business, we don't have a single event. We've got a process that lasts a lifetime. So you allowing yourself to have an emotional roller coaster on an hourly rate, a daily rate, a monthly rate, a quarterly rate, it's silly. You have to understand that you're in this for the long term and you have to behave like that and not just from the company results but your self-management. And that's all you've really got because unfortunately we can't control everything out there. It's all about how we control ourselves. It honestly does come back to how would you say the same thing to your friend or to your partner? And you wouldn't beat them up. If they couldn't respond to an email fast enough, you wouldn't berate them. And yet we take that on ourselves when we go home as business owners that I didn't perform the best that I could today. Well, hang on. Did you perform very well, but you're still learning something? Did you make a decision actually not to perform well in one section because your energy had to go to another section? And it's this internal dialogue of it is growing up a little bit, And saying, of course, you can beat yourself up if you want to, but it's not going to change the outcome. So you may as well actually just be okay with the fact that you're getting better and that next time the call comes in, the email comes in, the decision is made. If you're better tomorrow than you were today, that's actually what this is all about, this emotional feeling. And when I started the social media agency, and to give you context, that was started out of a little garage for, I think it was $400 a month rent. Internet didn't particularly work. Still too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) And I had this client who made me cry because she wanted more Instagram posts and I didn't know how to deal with her. And Tim ended up getting on the phone and she ended up thinking Tim was fabulous and all this sort of stuff. But if this person came to me today, there wouldn't be an issue. It would be a glorious conversation and we'd be friends and we'd be buddy-buddy. But this was probably nine years ago now. And as a young 20-something-year-old who had never done it before, it really affected me emotionally. Fast forward nine years and it wouldn't even be a blip on my radar. And so this is, I guess, the story of you get better because you have no choice. If you keep beating yourself up, you're not going to get better because you don't have the emotional capacity to learn and get better. So it's a bit of a catch-22. Yeah, and I think particularly early on, people are so attached to their business. They believe that every problem with the business is a problem happening to them and they're proud of it. So at that stage, Lana was new to running her own company. So it wasn't an attack on the business. It was an attack on why she wasn't doing that. So you feel like it's attack on yourself. And this is the detachment you have to have as a business owner. It's amazing that people think once they get detached from the business, it means they don't care about the business. But that's not it at all. You actually care more about the business because you look at it objectively. You make decisions around whether you're the right person to run it. We're always having this debate with people about 
they want you to know how much they care about the business and I would do whatever it takes to grow my business. I go, great, would you sack yourself because you're not the one who can run it? Oh, no, it's my business. I go, so you wouldn't do whatever it takes. You do whatever it suits you at the time. And this is that whole idea of where are you attached to the business that's actually holding you back? In Lana's case, she was talking about a learning opportunity. That was, And the client was completely right, just as a side note. So, <laughs> Yeah, and that's the whole idea is a lot of times where we've argued another point or we've seen it a different way and then with the sands of time moving through, you get a bit more experience. You, have a, you become on the other end of that situation one day go, ah, yeah, I see why that was annoying for them. So you don't know if you're right or wrong. You only know in that moment the point of view you can see best. But this is maturity and this is experience and this is why you need to detach from your business and those outcomes daily or you will be constantly exhausted because we're talking about business. What gives you the right to go home and not have energy for your family? And most people go, oh, well, because I'm a business owner. No, no, no. You're buying into rhetoric of people you're surrounding yourself with. You should go home with more energy than you started the day because it's more important. There are people who are super successful running a lot bigger businesses and have a hell of a lot more time with their families and not just more quality time. A couple of the really inspiring people and people, friends and people I've worked with, they are so structured in the way that they operate during the day that they make sure they don't drain their energy on the wrong things. Of course, you're going to have the bad day here or there, but they're actually so disciplined with everything else they do because they don't want to come home and just sit on the couch. And again, it's this experience of most likely they've got a routine. I know, Nigel, you mentioned it was the drive home that allowed you to be more present and active in the family home. So now you go for a walk around the block. Yeah. As an extension of that now, because we've got that new routine going where I needed that alone time before, now Indy, uh, my daughter, has come out with me on those walks. And now we're doing the changeover together and she gets that. And we go around, we have a little chat and it's a really nice moment between us, but it lets us go switch from work me to, okay, daddy me again. And that's a progression of all of these skills that you have to kind of learn. As I said, for everyone listening out there that you feel tired after every day of work, you have to ask yourself, what do I need to do? It is first of all, finding routines that energize you. So The walk that Nigel's talking about isn't for decompression. It's around re-energizing because he gets a lot of daddy-daughter time walking, talking, observing the world. So that's energy. You feel good. You haven't thought about work because you're engaged and you're present. When you're doing that, you actually can't be thinking of work while you're sitting there trying to have quality time. That's not the hustle. That is something that has been brought into entrepreneurism as a obsessive poor habit. Your habit needs to be around how do I energize myself throughout the day? And Lana, you do it too. You've got a routine around get up early, you'll do stretching or something like that. You've got your anchor, which is a coffee. Then you get the stuff out of the way that's going to distract you from quality work. So you've got a routine that basically allows you to get a solid eight-hour day out. Absolutely. And I start earlier because that's when I know I get my best work done. You're more of a nighttime person and I'd say your fitness and your lifestyle has slightly been able to change around this because of the changing world. Thanks again, COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Had a great routine going until we were locked in, but that's okay. That's okay. And it will be okay. You can choose to be angry at whatever's going on. You can choose not to have a routine, to have a routine. The world's not going to change out there. What we're talking about is what are you doing? 
you can control yourself. So what are you going to do to stop from being exhausted? Unless, of course, you like being exhausted because that makes you feel like you've achieved something, which is probably slightly different. Yeah, people anchor on a hard day's work is physical exhaustion, particularly when you've come from a labour-based family that you've seen that hard work equals being tight. My dad was a truck driver, get up at four o'clock every morning, come back mid-afternoon, have a sleep. So for me, that was a lot of conditioning of hard work means physical exhaustion. Right now, <laughs> hard work means I'm not physically exhausted. My hands are as smooth as silk, like I haven't picked up a hammer in my whole not life. Not a callus. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day because my dad was a farmer. Every morning he was up at five o'clock and I went, I would never be that guy. That's just, I would never be that. And then I looked at it. I don't do physical labor for my job, yet I'm still up at quarter to five every day. So I've established the same pattern yeah. around a completely different skill set just so I can identify with what I know as being the hard leader. Work. Hard work, yeah. If you're out there and you, you know that things aren't quite right, whatever it is for you, but you know they're not where you want them to be or they're not sustainable for a decade, I want to give you one thing, which is there are periods in all of our lives where the requirement for the owner is very unreasonable but you have to push through those periods it just happens there is those times where it's just it's just exhausting but you actually have to bring a new level of discipline into your life and it's not necessarily fun and we look at it and go how do we treat ourselves like an olympic athlete not so much at the moment because <laughs> um we could say that We've both made different decisions at the moment, haven't I'm we? I'm the Lana? security guard. Yeah. <laughs> so, but <laughs> just changing sports. So it's but, a different training it. regime. But <laughs> where a lot of business owners don't see it is your whole life is how you're conditioned to then deal with high stress situations. And business is a high stress situation for the growth phase because there's so much happening and it's such a high failure rate. So, what are the things you need to do to create that consistency around how you deal with it? So, we've talked about regular exercise eating well, sleeping well, reducing alcohol if you need to. And actually, when we speak to a lot of our networks and things like that, and we ask them, show me your daily routine. They go, I don't have a daily routine. I wake up, I do this, I do this, and you know, I come home and I do it. But well, that's not a routine. That's just sloppy. You're playing like an amateur and want to play like a professional, but you're not doing anything a professional would do, which is systematically and strategically finding ways to optimize your energy levels. You're almost replicating what you see on the screen, so to speak. So, you know, if you want to be a big person in business, then you wear the nice suits and you work hard and you close deals and you do everything that American TV tells us is what peak performance is. But it's what happens at the bookends of that. It's the waking up for exercise. It's the socializing. So social connection is a big one. Having that ongoing emotional strength. It's finding time for things that mean something for you. And the screen never shows us that side of it because that's not, it's almost not sexy to see you actually have to look after mental health and physical health in order to peak perform in the workplace. And if we replicate what we see on the screen, that's not shown. We show the win, not the process. Yeah. Everyone likes to see the highlight. As many of you like, I really like poker. If you watch the World Series of Poker, you see these amazing hands, amazing bluffs, amazing bets, but you don't see the 12 hours of them sitting there grinding, going fold. Fold, <laughs> fold. And you, you, if you just watch that, you'd think this is an exciting, fun, action-packed game, not the fact they've been sitting at a table for 16 hours and played 12 hands. Yeah. That's why I like watching sports movies, not watching sports. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is the question you have to ask yourself as the leader, which is really where am I not optimizing my performance during a high-stress period? 
Where am I not setting my day out to get the most out of my day? And it's not about work. This is the big thing. You would be surprised at how unreasonable people are in terms of structuring their day to be successful. Let me give you an example that might shock you. If you're asking yourself what's for dinner every night, you are underperforming in life. If you aren't pre-planned, so you don't have to think about things that are inconsequential to the main goal, building my business, imagine at the end of the day even having to make another decision around what do I feel like and then wondering why am I fat or why do I eat badly or why do we always order takeaway? You cannot do that if you're saying, I want to be a top performer. You actually have to sit there and pre-plan the stuff that's inconsequential. Food is inconsequential. And the simpler version of that is Mark Zuckerberg wears the same T-shirt. Yeah. Clothing to him, it doesn't affect Facebook growing. Remove decisions that take energy that are inconsequential to your growth. But so many SMEs just don't do that. Even people working in business, they are so poorly structured personally that they always wonder why it's hard, but there's nothing there that's really top performance in their routines. Picking the easy stuff. Food is easy to think about. But simple things like food's really easy, exercise is really easy. I mean, that can be locked in for the next six months if you needed to. I think it's a bit long, but for us, we like to plan, and you're particularly good at that in our household, Lana, you plan our week of, this is what's for dinner every night. There's never the question, it is, that is the food we're eating. Yeah, lockdown has definitely changed me for anyone listening. I have come to see the joy of food planning. Actually, pre-planning stuff is so freeing, and I write a list on the fridge of what we're eating. So whoever's cooking, pick something from the list and that's it. And anyone who knows me knows that that's definitely not who I am. But it's taken such a stress out of the day of thinking about something that doesn't actually matter. It's the same with exercise. You wouldn't miss a key meeting in your work, right? So if you set your exercise, you don't then ask yourself, should I go and do it or do I feel like it? It's there, you do it. It's not a choice, it's a meeting. It's part of who you are as a leader. These are the things that we need to start thinking about. These are the important elements that you put together to reduce the anxiety that comes with working during the day. I think we may be talking about a step that's halfway down the line because as you say, you have to plan your food, you have to get sleep, you have to have family time, you have to do this. I can almost hear half the audience coming up with an excuse at the same time as why they can't, why they can't, why they can't. Well, I'm sure they're the people who've got their shit together. (laughs) <laughs> but in, in <laughs> everyone is on a different journey, yeah? Everyone's at a different part in their journey. How do people find the win in the moment to accumulate those wins so that you're in a proper mindset where exercise isn't a chore, it is the thing that is a reward? If you're waiting for the moment, you're already too late. If you're thinking about the decision in the moment, you're too late. Oh, no, no, I'm not talking about the decision itself. I'm talking about the act of doing something. You do something, there is a choice you can make. I did it well, I did it bad. A lot of people look for the excuse to find the bad in that situation. Whereas if you find enough moments in the day to go, I did that really well, or that was good, you accumulate all those points together so that it accumulates your self-worth or whatnot. Because for exercise, particularly for people starting, that self-worth thing is the tipping point. Am I worth doing this? Because people can find a reason not to and feed into their own image of themselves. From my point of view, it comes back to this idea of you have to be unreasonable. So my daily routine, my parents think is nuts. They think the fact that I wake up at 5.30 to do stretches and yoga is crazy because to them it's unreasonable because that's not their life. 
what we're saying here is you feel proud by simply taking a step. And so if you're not an exercise person, this is the best thing I ever learned. I went to a speech by Jeff Hugel, the Australian swimmer. He said, you start by waking up at the time that you want to exercise. So don't get out of bed, but wake up at 6am. And I did that for a week. And I felt genuinely proud of the fact that I was actually doing a little commitment. Then I got up and I walked around the house and I had my coffee, as Tim mentioned, at six o'clock. Then I did stretches at six o'clock, then yoga at six o'clock, then a run. And every single week I would add something onto it because this idea of if you don't think it's important, you're not going to do it. So you can listen to us all you want and you can say, but exercise actually isn't that important to me. We can't change that opinion that you have. All we can say is at backable peak performance is every part of your life. And it could be that getting up and doing stretching that people who are very good, strong athletes probably think is crazy. But for me, I need that so I can actually do exercise. So it's a huge ego thing for me that I can actually stretch. Yeah, and value stacking for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's what I would say here is just because you don't think it's important as an individual doesn't actually mean it's not important. It means you have deemed it not to be important, which probably should come back to a bigger discussion about what is performance. I think for those who are sitting out there saying, I find all of this difficult, I think this conversation is for you, but I also think you can spend years trying to self-discover or you just make a decision and you say, do you know what? I don't want to feel like I am now. What am I not doing that's not of high performance? And what you're not doing in high performance is setting the anchors for yourself to perform well. But as Lana and Nigel said, you've got to start building up your self-esteem. You have to keep stacking wins to feel good about yourself more times in the day than not. You have to be proud at how you deal with situations. And you have to be proud of little things that others wouldn't recognize, but you recognize as steps forward. It's a conversation. It's dealing with a client in a different way than you deal with them yesterday because you see it from another angle. You're more equipped. This whole idea of how do you feel powerful every day? And the opposite of that is you never have the right to beat yourself up about why you didn't perform well. You performed exactly how you should have at that time, that moment, that was as best you could do. A lot of people beat themselves up because they oh, if only I did that differently. No, you would have done it differently if you knew what to do then. And what can sometimes come from that is that people can get scared that by being okay with a step and not an outcome means that they'll almost become a bit apathetic, that they'll actually lose that want or that drive to be better. It's probably something that you can talk to, the fact that just because you're satisfied with a step doesn't mean you're not driving to be better. It means that you're actually maturing in your approach to life and business, which is I will get better, but I need to be bad in order to learn to be good. Yeah, obsessive with process, not outcome. I think that's the challenge that a lot of business owners have. They're so focused on outcome that they never start fixing the process. I'm tired every day. Awesome. What did you eat this week? What did you drink this week? How did you exercise? Oh, it was a tough week, so that fell apart. Great. So sort the things you know out. Come back, tell me if you're still tired. People want to buy into another reason, even though they have the answer. If we're not stacking the things that work consistently, then don't look for other answers. Go back to what works for you. And if you're still doing all those right things, then adjust what's not right. Substitute the part in or out. As a leader, you have to know your routine so you can keep stacking things that make you feel proud of the work you're doing. It's okay to have performed well and not have got the outcome because that's part of the learning. And this is, I guess, where the art form is, Lana and Nigel, which is knowing when it's a lesson 
and then identifying where it's chronic and you're just underperforming. And this is the big balance I think all business owners have is knowing yourself well enough to be that honest, which is I know that we're trying something so I'm not sure of the outcome as opposed to I've been doing this for so long and it's not working. And that's important because a lot of people waste their whole lives chasing after something they should have stopped years ago and adjusted so they don't pivot fast enough. And that is a lack of self-awareness. That is exhausting. Yeah, I think for me personally where there was the start of a turning point was um, actually not looking for external validation of good or bad. By giving myself permission to say something was good, it also gave me permission to say something could have been better without carrying any weight. And it made me a lot happier along the actual steps in it. Because a lot of the things that I do to get um, validation or to, to value stack, nobody in the company knows, nobody in the company cares. By giving myself permission to celebrate means that I took away personally the pain of when I thought that I hadn't performed as well. It was just something that went, okay, how do I improve that next time? And a lot of this also comes back to the ego that we're talking about here. Because what we're coming back to as a sort of a general gist is the work that you can do to feel proud, no matter how big or small the step that you take. We care a lot about what external people think, but what you're talking about is the fact that it's all about you. It's about your progression. For me personally, it's when past Alana did something that helps future Alana and I come across it, I've done something right, I've set up a system, I've set the stage that when I get to it, it's there. To me, that's huge because it means that I've been forward planning without even thinking about it. It's almost like an automatic response. I'm a little bit apathetic about it now, but it doesn't change. And that's where I get my ego boost from is I did that and that's great, but no one else knows. Just in this concept of apathy, I know that you guys are happy when you do something well. Are you ever satisfied with what you've done? There's always a better way to do it, isn't there? Yeah, it's really annoying. I don't think for this type of environment, apathy really sits there because even when you go, hey, that was great, next time I could. I always come back to the one line, what's next? As soon as something finishes, it's on to the next. I try, especially in the digital agency, I try to make sure that the team doesn't do that, that they actually get excited by an achievement. But for me, it's almost irrelevant personally. What about you? What's your... For me, it's about performance and performance means how far can this go down that line? There's good and bad results, but it's not really good or bad. It's just a result. So this happened. Great. Oh, that's much nicer because we got money in our bank account versus that we don't have any. So (laughs) the whole idea is how can we perform better? You have to fall in love with what your business does, not necessarily the product or service. You need to fall in love with your organization. And for us, I feel obsessive with performance. So when we see something new, what's the next step to that? And that's the bit that I think stops any type of worry that as soon as you're satisfied, you're going to stop. It's actually the opposite because you want to taste more of what could happen. And that's a very funny point. Funny? Funny. We see money in the bank account and you get excited. I also know that you've planned five steps ahead how you're going to spend that money. So I know that I can't get excited about there being money in the account because in Tim's plan is going to be invested. And this is... I'd be very surprised out there if you were running a business in any sort of size and you couldn't spend another $100 million tomorrow. There's so many things that we'd like to do. That's the thing that surprises me a lot. A lot of people wait, put money in the account and then go, what should we do with it? And that's when a pinball machine appears (laughs) in the office. (laughs) Or a drone. (laughs) You two are funny today, aren't you? (laughs) But I guess what we're saying is this is how Tim and I are isn't particularly right. 
We don't get particularly excited about a win. We don't get too disheartened by a loss because we're always moving. There's always another step. And to the point of people listening here about this idea of being exhausted at the end of the day, put strategies around it. Know why you're feeling exhausted, but it's that next step. You don't feel so exhausted if you know what comes next, if you know that you've got the plan. Be okay to say, yes, I did a good job. Even if it wasn't the best job, be better tomorrow. Just keep being obsessive focus on your performance and optimizing that. It's being present in the process, not the outcome. You must be obsessive with how you're performing and how your business is performing. It's knowing the things that you should be doing and choosing not to have them done or doing them yourself. And this is that whole idea of when you start doing small things well, you start to build self-confidence. You start to stack your self-worth because you're like, we did that. We execute that. So anytime a hiccup comes up, you're not feeling horrible. You're like, oh yeah, well, we did 20 things that were positive and we did one thing that probably is a sidestep. Now, what do we need to do to fix that so it doesn't happen again? And this is that importance towards constantly doing the little things that build armor around you personally and you as a business. As owners, we have to isolate ourselves. Isolation not because we don't want to be around people. We need to start isolating ourselves emotionally and going, what am I building and who am I building? So if I was observing myself right now, I'd be thinking, what do I need to build to play this game the way I want to play it? Because that's what we're really talking about. How do I become the person this company needs to lead it to the promised lands? How do I get the most out of myself? How do I enjoy getting better every day? How do I celebrate things that I know have upskilled me in a certain way? Little things are okay to feel proud of. Nigel spoke about them a little earlier, which is what are the things for him that he can identify that no one else in the world would see as a big win, but for him, he knows he's just got better. If you're looking at yourself as a robot is what are the upgrades you've just got? What are the things you've just gone, wow, I've done that better than I did that yesterday. Because if I look down the road 10 years, if I keep doing that, these things are going to compound. Most people don't understand the whole idea of compounding, as in stacking effort, energy, and improvement on top of each other, because it feels so minuscule at the time. But when you look back in context, you have extraordinary results. It's like we had some businesses the other day, they all we've got is an extra lead a month, then it was lead a week, then it was lead a day. And by the time that you get to an extra lead an hour, or a minute, you're such a different business. But it's taking these ideas for yourself personally, which is what are the things that are going to stack that when there's a lot of energy in that area, when these things are consistent and they keep growing, what are you going to be then? And that's the exciting bit. You have to find the thing that you love about yourself in your daily activity. And what I love about this is it doesn't matter how big or small your business is. When it's a smaller business or you're starting out, it is, we'll say, simpler things that you stack. But as your business gets bigger, bigger questions, bigger problems become easier to solve because of your experience, because of your stacking, because you know to make a hard decision is actually your job. And that's why I love this whole idea of stacking because it works across your entire business life and it allows you to make better decisions faster because of the experience that you're talking about. So what does it actually mean? If we're sitting here listening to this and going, okay, well, I get it. I get there's some things that I need to do. I need to change routine. I need to look at the things that are going to get me to the next level. So what do you actually do from a practical point of view? And I think the first thing is 
draw a line in the sand. Just have a look and say, okay, who I am is absolutely brilliant. I literally have gotten myself to this point in life. This is who you are right now. So be brutally present with who you are. Now draw a line in the sand. What do you have to build for the person who's going to take you to the next level? Where are you not doing the things that you know you're going to need for the future? Where are you not executing things in your business that you know need focus? Where are you not happy with the way you feel around certain areas in your life and what do you need to do to address it? But it's not do it all at once. It's fine to have self-awareness, but if you try and execute everything at once, well, is that really the person you are that you just smash yourself? No. It's what are the things with highest impact first? So if it is back to that, I feel tired, great. What's one thing I can do that's different right now? As Lana said, it might just be waking up earlier and lying in bed, but you're awake and you're present. You're giving yourself that decompression. It might be, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go for a walk. It might be, I just want to start the day early when there's not a lot happening because I feel that's more productive. It doesn't matter what it is. It matters that you know what you need to do to build who you are to take the business to the next level. But when you start analyzing this in a positive way and getting excited for inserting new habits, things change very quickly because your brain already thinks you're there. Your brain starts going, oh, this person is a top performer. I'm going to get on board. I don't need to feel tired because I know I'm going to have a good night's sleep and I'm going to wake up and have some good food. It's amazing what happens when you start to get some consistency around it. So if you're sitting there wondering, what should I do right now? The answer is look at yourself and identify the gaps for who you want to be tomorrow. What are the things that you know a top performer needs to do? And I think once you start getting excited about that, this is an ongoing process. This is a thing you can do weekly. This is a thing you can do quarterly. This is about constantly enjoying the journey of who you are. Lana, I mean, you work on your goals and your focus and who you need to be sort of every six months minimum. Yeah, it changes that often. <laughs> yeah, but you really analyze the things that are working, the things that aren't working. Yeah, for that I start with I analyze what I want and what I want can change. Yeah within six months. And should. And should probably. I also analyze what's possible. Some things that I want, and I know Tim, you've spoken about this before. I don't particularly want to be employed at Philodomo as an operational person. That is part of a bigger goal to what you and I are building in life. It's a skill set that I've got and I can give it to Philodomo right now, but there'll be someone who's better than me in the future. And so analyzing goals where you want to be is all about that future point, not the right now for me. And that's how I make sure that my goals constantly change because one step forward means the entire path of your future looks different. Great. So how do you do that personally? Because that's a business and we're talking now about if you're jumping up and you need to make some practical changes right now, what do you then do? As in, that's fine because you know you'll be replaced, but what actually about changing habits does someone do right now? I do really small steps. So if I look at health and fitness, for example, I won't completely try to exercise and change all my eating in one day. I'll pick one and work on it for a week and then I'll add the next week something to it and the next week something to it. And it's the same in business. If I want to get more clients in, I will start step by step, start with a list, start, move on to a conversation, move on to reporting, but it's never everything at once because that creates overwhelm. It's pick one thing and focus on that for a week because quite often we can feel that I have to do everything right now, but that's actually where you lose the optimization. If you try to do everything at once, how do you know what's working? And by the way, for top performers out there, you can change everything at once. Lana's talking about a way that everyone can do it, which is take a spoonful, add the next one, add the next one, and keep compounding. 
But if you're someone who's highly disciplined and you know you are, you actually can change a lot of things at once. There is no rule against that. This doesn't have to be slow and steady. The problem with it is it's like a flash diet or something. So another way we're talking about those micro steps that we can take to do the cumulative win, something that's really been effective for me is trying to eradicate the words just and only. So even if I have a series of tiny wins through the day, if I've used, I've just done this or I've only done this, by the end of the day, I can still be exhausted. If you use that book, the words that we cast have spells, we're programming our own brain by what we say. By saying, I did this means that I've got a solid win. I can build upon. As soon as I add just, only, all we did was, it cheapens it. It makes it feel like I've done nothing. And I found that was a really good way to start building my self-awareness, self-confidence in certain areas where I wasn't before. Yeah. And for those of you who didn't pick that up, Nigel said that book, he's talking about the four agreements, which is a book about if you start to put value in your words, because a lot of people will say things because they actually don't value their words. And it's important because you can tell people who talk a lot, but say nothing and you identify them in business. And what you actually have to work out is Do your words actually have power? People who don't think their words have power say a lot. People who know that when they speak it means something, they are careful in the selection of their words. In the book, it goes into words of spells. The same sort of idea, which is if you believe that your words came to fruition, would you choose the same ones? So it's this whole idea of what are you telling yourself? Because if you're clear with yourself and you're deliberate with what you're saying, you're going to start to build a powerful entity, which is you. Everything I say is powerful, so I better be selective in what I do. Every action I take has consequences, so I'm going to choose my actions carefully. When you feel more powerful, you become more deliberate because you know everything you do works, good or bad. And that's the whole idea of this stacking of who we are and how do we keep feeling proud every day. We start to actually believe that we are powerful and all the stresses that are occurring around from your business, from your personal life, is just a byproduct of the time you are in, not the process you're executing. But if you deep down know that that process isn't working for you, there's a few changes that you can make that can change your entire trajectory of your personal life and your business. To me, that's equally exciting and terrifying. But I guess that's the game we're in. So I guess happy trails for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we end, what's your process? Um, My process in terms of? The, The stacking, the allowing your ego to be okay if it wasn't a perfect day. I'm still highly emotional with a lot of things and my process is I want things fixed and I want a lot of it done. And I was saying a little earlier, which is it's okay to go extreme on things. The issue is not falling off the back end. And that's really, I guess, where people have different levels of success. It's people that can go extreme and hold on as opposed to people who go extreme and they fall off twice as hard. I don't want to keep harping on fitness, but you see people who do extreme short periods of exercise and eating right, and within six months, they're bigger than they ever were and more unfit. And it's the same with business. You can try and change everything, but it's the discipline around holding on for the longer term. So I'm more likely to go extreme early, but have a lot of focus on holding on, which is okay. You can't keep up that level of pace for the medium term. But I want the quick gain in that area and then ease off to what it should be. And then my process is 
that should be much higher than where we were and we'll get there a lot quicker. The issue we've got with that is you can't push that on everyone because that can feel very uncomfortable for people as, as both of you know. It feels like we're going too hard too quickly in towards an area and it feels like it's out of control. But for me, that's my process, which is you have to go hard and fast into something once you make a decision. But the issue is it can create a little bit of anxiety. You have to accept that game, that there's a lot of ups and downs. It's higher risk reward. But for me, I don't like the slow and steady, but I like my companies to be doing slow and steady as the base level. You mentioned it was quite emotional. How do you manage the emotion? Is that through the stacking of fitness and health or is that thought processes? Yeah, I mean, it's what you say. It's like, Tim, I'm not doing your stupid eating thing. You know what I mean? Like it's (laughs) because it's structured and it's boring. And listen, I ate the same lunch for a year and a half. Food at that stage was fuel. I did not care. So for me, it's, it's a little bit different, which is I like routine that works because I like the result of what that routine does. But once you decide that you're bored of that, that's the hard bit of not completely losing control of everything you've built because you can almost fight back at yourself for eating the same thing every day. Then you suddenly decide that you want the complete opposite, the whole yin and yang of it, which is now want something different every single day type thing. I think you've got to work out what is it for you and what are the things that you actually get the enjoyment in this process because it doesn't have to be boring because it's about change. But for me, I like seeing how fast you can get from point A to point B. That's the thing that excites me in business and life. Without falling off. (laughs) Yeah, but the falling off, I guess, is the bit of how quickly can you turn when you know you're falling off and reducing the periods in which it gets slippery because you can't operate. No one in the world operates at that extreme level for the long term. They have to taper it, but that's their, that's their genius. They understand where to taper and what are the signs for them. And that's the same in your business, by the way. You can have extreme growth, but you better be putting in the infrastructure to help keep that growth going because as soon as you slip off, it can be disastrous. For each of us out there, if this is the first time dabbling and learning, take one thing at a time. Start small. See if you can get some consistency. When you've got resources around you and help and you can operate like that, you can then choose the level in which you want to deep dive into it. And I guess at the end of the day, that's the difference between things that go really, really quickly is people who are used to operating with such high levels of change because they're conditioned. But you can't get to that point until you get the simple things right and consistent. Nigel, Lana, Interesting discussion. Big one for all the people out there running businesses. Thanks for the chat and we'll uh, do it all again next week. See ya. Well, that's the show this week, folks. Thanks for listening. Of course, you can head over to backable.ai to access all the downloadables we've put together. And if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. If you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's it from us for now. Have a great week. We look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.